Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's a Thursday. We call this day March 9th on the Julian calendar, and that means we're talking with Paul Wallace and Daniel Dietrich, and I'm Doug Padgett. Hey, uh, Paul and Dan, I, I'm in I'm in Minneapolis, and turns out that the weather is telling us that uh, as global change impacts the climate, where I live is getting warmer in the winter. So, you know, it's uh, 36 today. Could have been 32 just years ago. As a kid, this was 32. Now it's now it's 36 because that's oh, what yeah. science that's what science tells you is that the warmings are happening uh, in different places all around the all around the country. So winter is warming faster, and I live in a place where winter is warming even faster than other winter warmings. So wow, you sure you live in the dark the dark zone up there? Yeah, we're 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 really overachievers in our in our warming. Yeah, we're, looks like I'm down here on, in Atlanta, right on the edge. Between yeah, three but and four. You, but you're better than that Northern California area from this little from this little graph. Well, Paul Bird. Wallace is a uh, is an astrophysicist, a birder, a professor, a pastor, a uh, an author, uh, all, all manner of things, and still has time to talk to us about things like the sky, the universe, and the weather. So, hey, Paul. Hey, man. How you doing? You know, all right. All, all right. We there's there's mixed news when it comes to the universe today, which we'll get to. So we'll have to have to wait and uh, talk, talk about how this whole universe is going. Apparently, because not only can human beings figure out how to, you know, make life difficult for ourselves and one another, the universe is actively uh, doing that doing that same thing. And yet, it's wonderful and beautiful and and stunning for, na- for now. Yeah, just enjoy the ride while you can, you know? That's exactly it, because the universe isn't always going to be here. So little, little hint. Give you it think a trillion going, years. We'll as see. it turns out, yeah, set your calendar. Set a calendar reminder for a trillion years from now, because there ain't going to be a calendar or a universe. <laughs> Dan, how are things there in uh, West Michigan? It's good. We're gearing up for uh, some more snow. Possibly the last snow of the year. I don't know. We'll see. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Well, I mean, in, if you look at this, uh, if you look at this map, we're uh, we're warming up. So, oh yeah, toasty. Yeah, we we experience a significant amount of snow here where I live in in March. It's it's just that that cruelty of the season that yeah. the big snows come when the temperatures start to warm. I mean that's that's the problem with winter on those super cold days, you know, zero, twenty below yeah. zero days that we get. Clear, bright, sunny. Yeah. Everything you'd want looking outside, and then you go outside, you know, and you're you can't see the sun because your face froze. Yeah, you die. But on um, these days when it gets thirty degrees, thirty five, forty, just piles of snow. It's really a really yeah, a trade off. Slushy and messy instantly. So, friends, let us know. Uh, let us know where you are. You know, uh, uh, William, tell us where you are, and of course, uh, Alex and Trisha and Jim, the regulars around here. Just let, let us know too how the sun's shining there in California and Tampa and uh, Washington D.C. and all the places where you all come from. All right, Paul. Big, big news in uh, in the skies as we talk about uh, you know our little astrophysics. Good morning, Jim. Our little astrophysics um, uh, reminder that we live in a universe. Yeah, you know, we don't just live in a in a house or apartment that's on a street, that's <laughs> in a neighborhood, yeah. that's in a city, that's in a county. Yeah. When, when I was in Hawaii last week, the people in Hawaii refer to living there as uh, just being on a rock in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, right? they're like, you know, when something goes wrong, like the power went out or things happen, which really did happen where there happens a lot there. They're like, hey, hang on, we're living on a rock in the middle of the ocean. 
I'm like, yeah, and we're kind of also living on a rock just in the middle of nothing yep. <laughs> in, the, in the universe. So, um, yep. So when, some things when, are happening. When you wrap your head around that, it's a little, uh, a little freaky. Yeah. yeah. Really you is. See why we we just literally bite our fingernails or go to have a pedicure? Like, could we just yeah, get as small right. and exacting as we can to try to solve <laughs> one little problem on the corner oh, of my finger? Because the rest oh, of it is uh, a pretty big, a uh, pretty big set of conditions. Um, did you ever read but, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I did not. Is it? Anyway, worth there's it? A, there, there's this one thing. I actually never read the whole thing, but I read parts of it. And there's this there's this thing called the uh, total perspective vortex. Ever heard of that? <laughs> <laughs> the total that. perspective vortex is basically like this little thing you get into. It's like it's got a screen in there, like a little like a little theater, but mm -hmm. it points out where you are in the universe to scale with the universe, <laughs> and it essentially just kills you. <laughs> it, it, only one person that was able to survive total perspective vortex just can't handle it. It, 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 it just kills you. You just fall over uh, dead because you can't, uh, you can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> you're that, you're that insignificant. Which is pretty over. close to, uh, you know, what we're discovering with the James Webb telescope here. We've been, you know, looking as far back in time and as far away from us as we can with this thing. And uh, we're studying what we thought would be very young galaxies uh, from the birth of the universe. Uh, but we're discovering some different things. We're finding things we didn't expect. This headline uh, calls it Discovering the Impossible, which might be a little clickbait uh, material. A little but we're, bit. We're discovering galaxies that are more fully formed than we thought they should be for that time period. Is that right, Paul? That's right. And the, and this this headline, we love talking about headlines here. Uh, <laughs> discover the impossible. I mean, you know, if, if you spend your days and your nights and your life talking about this stuff and thinking about this stuff and, and researching this stuff, and if you work for, you know, as an astronomer, then yeah, that you discover the impossible is sort of how you would say it. But, you know, as, as uh, when that doesn't translate to the, uh, you know, the general reading public as, as, you know, you think, oh, what have they discovered? You know, like the Big Bang ha is, is happening in reverse, you know, or, you know, we're all <laughs> going to die next week or something. No, it just turns out that um, we, we've, we've thought for a long time, uh, and there's evidence for it, that um, galaxies, just like our own Milky Way, uh, build, get built up slowly over time. Okay, they just, they, they are basically built by the accretion of smaller galaxies. That was the the the, the go, that's the going model. If you get any like back here on my shelf, I got these introductory astronomy textbooks. They all say that. They all say burn the that. books, burn the books, yeah. Paul. Burn them. <laughs> all Take wrong. them down to Florida and burn the science books. <laughs> but it turns out, yeah, I'm pretty close to Florida actually. Um, but it turns out that uh, these galaxies that they're looking at are already like the size of the Milky Way, and they're you know half of you know, five hundred million years after, three hundred million years after the Big Bang. So which sounds like a long time, but it's not on the scale of the universe. Right. So basically, large galaxies showed up before we thought they should, mm -hmm. basically, is what's and, happening. Here. What's the meaning of that for our understanding of, of things? Is it just, it happened faster, or there's something fundamental about how universes, or how the universe behaves, that we have to reconsider? Well, how, how well we don't know, and, that, and that's the interesting piece. That, you know, it might just be that we're that we've we overlooked some sort of mechanism of galaxy formation, or it could be that the early universe is not what we thought. 
You know, we don't know, but th this is how discoveries are made. You know, we don't, big discoveries are made, you know, more often than not, when a big discovery is made, it's like, oh, that, you know, it's not heralded by, you know, Eureka, I found it, but usually it's heralded by, you know, this is weird. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. this is not what we expected, but then you sort of follow the thread and unravel the thing. And it could be that this could lead to something really big, um, but we don't know. It's just, it's just weird. It's just not what we expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. It challenges our, 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 our basic picture of how, how the universe has evolved. Yeah, it pokes a so, hole in our understanding. Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, and, it, and it may not closer. be, it, it, may be, it may be not much, but it may be right. really big. You just never know where it's going to go. Remind me again, you know, again, treat, treat me like one of your, one of your kind students, uh, one of the ways you treat them. How do they know this? What, what did the James Webb telescope see that let them say like, oh, there's uh, galaxies are, are, are more developed than we thought they were. What, well, do, do you know what they've picked yeah. up as far as the light goes? And no, I, I don't know exactly how they determine this, uh, what the model is they use to determine this, but they can use these images to make mass estimates. And I'm guessing it's based on the brightness of the galaxy. Hmm. Um, cause we know it's distance. Okay, so we know the distance and how we find that's a whole different discussion. But just yeah. let us know that we know the distance. And if we know the distance and we know how bright it looks to us, oh. then we can sort of t make a really good estimate of the number of stars in it, say. Hmm. And that tells you how large the galaxy is. So basically, they convert the brightness to an, a mass estimate. And these galaxies are way, way more massive than we expected them I to see. be. Hmm. And, and, and remember also that when we're looking back, we, we talk about this a lot. When we look back in space, we're looking back in time. So we're looking back just a few hundred million years after the Big Bang. And so these massive galaxies existed shortly after the Big Bang. And But by our model of galaxy formation, they shouldn't have had time to build that, that size yet. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? We thought this process took 5 billion years or something to build up to a galaxy that size. Um, so these are just really, you know, 5 billion is probably not right, more like a billion, but still it's a, a long time. And, and these galaxies are way bigger than we thought they would be way earlier than we thought they would be, mm -hmm. um, basically. So something it's, funny it's, is going on. Something unexpected. Mm -hmm. you know, basically, some, it, it, Something's causing yeah. them to grow faster, develop faster, like yeah. congeal yeah, so, faster. <laughs> like all yeah, this. yeah, yeah. So we just don't know what that is. Yeah. And it really is a surprise because it really has been a, a pretty, you know, like I said, all these textbooks, you know, introductory textbooks. I mean, the, for for as long as I've been teaching, have been basically saying the wow. same thing mm -hmm. that it, they build up slowly over time. But these, you know, all it requires is is one counterexample to sort of make you question your idea. Yeah, and, oh, wow. and, we, and we have and we have found several of them with Webb. So, and that's what's great about science, like. You find something totally. new and you make adjustments to that. Like growing mm. up, all my uh, dinosaur books, no feathers. <laughs> There's no That's feathers right. involved. Now, now they're like, hey, I we think these things had feathers, like most yeah. of them. So it's changing how we understand that. And yeah. you know, there's a process for it. Like this discovery will lead to more investigation and peer-reviewed, you know, papers right. and. And that sort of thing before 
we just start burning the textbooks, but <laughs> but we make adjustments <laughs> and do the best we can with the information we have. Yeah, that's sort of uh, one of the hallmarks of science, and um, it's kind of you know, it, on, on one hand, it's it's quite insistent that these theories are have been tested and, and are reliable, but on the other hand, it always has to remain open to um, you know revision, always. Hmm, yep. And if it doesn't, then it ceases to be science. It ceases to to be the thing itself. It right. becomes something. It becomes dogmatism, <laughs> or it becomes it becomes religion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know yeah. we've talked about this a lot, and part of the reason I like having you on the podcast to talk about these things is it does remind us that sometimes the way in popular culture we use um, terms like facts and information mm-hmm. and misinformation and then say, like, believe science, it can create a, uh, an impression that science is inarguable and other things right. are kind of matters of, you know, perspective. And, opinion, and opinion yeah, yeah, and that I, I I get why we do it because there's so much science denying and so much information chicanery going on, and yeah. and has been from you know from the very beginning. Like like you're reminded yeah. in the Christian tradition and the Jewish traditions, you know, us the three of us come from the Christian tradition. That the beginning of the story in Genesis has this like uh, this this um, tale of the the human uh, development into the nation of Israel. And it starts yeah. out with, you know, Adam and Eve and then and God's, you know, giving some commands about the behavior in a in a in a forest to a couple of naked vegetarians. And <laughs> the first thing that comes along is, you know, the story of a tempter, a serpent, saying, yeah. Really? Is that how it went? Right. So right out of the right out of the shoots. <laughs> You're supposed to, as human beings, read this tale and say, oh, that thing of us like messing with each other's concept of what you heard and and all, that's just kind of been there from the beginning. Like, don't blame Roger yeah. Ailes or Fox News or don't blame yeah. democracy or something, right? Like it's yeah. part of the human yeah, exactly. part of the human dilemma. Yeah. So so we should get we should get better at it because every tradition that tells of its histories has some tale like this because it's a human human reality. And yet we get into things like science. And um, when you're talking within science, it's very yeah. understood that you debate ideas and people hold the things and difference can right. be, right. Uh, maybe in academia and others, there's just more, you know, uh, hard lines that are drawn. But in the popular culture, it's sort of like, you know, um, science is un, un, uh, untouched in its Unassailable, in its like, a, like a fortress yeah. of facts, you know, just like cannot be, you know, it's not that, you know, it's funny. I, I once saw this, this thing online and it says something like, you know, you get a bachelor's degree, you think you know a lot, you get a master's degree, you start to wonder and you get a PhD and you just can't believe on what a fragile foundation all knowledge is built on, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and anything, anything that you even believe is 95% probably true. You just, just hold on to it because <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to now claim that that's a Mark Twain quote because every decent <laughs> quote that you really want people to believe, you're like, as Mark Twain yeah. said, yeah. or Einstein. <laughs> yeah, Einstein right. is probably one of the most misquoted. He's probably up there with Twain. Is was one of the most misquoted. His totally. bumper stickers you see. Yeah, he didn't say that. Somebody just made no. it up, and then oh, <laughs> if Einstein said it, here we go. This is the science thing again. If Einstein said it. It's got to right. be right because God knows Einstein was right. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, well, you know, and like, God doesn't and God doesn't play dice with the universe. We know that. And the definition yeah. of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again, thinking you're going to get a different result. And all and of you, these statements that are you know what I'm talking nuts. about. He he did say the, the God dice thing though. Kind of, kind of, yeah. yep, yep. I mean, he didn't say it exactly as quippy as all of that. He, no, that's a, no, 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 no. It's a, it has it's been a sharp, sharp paraphrase. Uh, memified. Of, yeah. Yeah, memified, yeah. That's a good way to put it, a sharp paraphrase, yeah. Yeah. All right, so so not only do we know that the that the galaxies are, are bigger than we ever thought they were going to, um, we also know that a little bit about the dawn of all of this, right? That's That was a big news story that we're still discovering, you know, our, our own, Universe, yeah, our own origins. Sorry, I was waiting. Do we have a little graphic for that, Dan? Do we have a Do we have a story on that? Was oh, I, this I... this was about the dawn. We're yeah. this this is about the dawn. So but we, we also about the have dawn. Uh, there we go. A little story about the death of the universe. Yay! <laughs> so so I'll tell you, Paul and Dan. This morning I was doing what I do in the mornings, uh, which includes making a couple of pieces of toast, frying up a couple of eggs, putting them on the top of that toast, and eating it with a knife and fork like a civilized person would. And I'm scrolling through my news feed just to find out, <laughs> hey, what's 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 going on in the world? And the people over at Popular Mechanics just have to suggest to you the universe is going to end. And we <laughs> and we know when. Like you can't get a minute, right? Hey, the universe is bigger than we thought, it's more beautiful. And then someone's like, and it's gonna end. And we know about when. We've we've got our eyes on it. Like I used to worry that the sun was just gonna go out which yeah. for human beings would be enough, like that would be the end of it all. Yep. But just the idea that the universe itself is winding down is not the right phrase, if I read this article right. The universe itself is expanding, and that means at some point the proximity of thing, particles, and so on to one another will be so dispersed that it will all just stop. Is that is that right? Do I have it well, right? Well, it'll it'll, it'll, it'll go it'll go dark. It'll stop. It'll just go dark. It'll still be a lot of rocks floating around, right? Yeah. But yeah. what are they going? The okay. stars will run out of energy. Stars will run out of, run out of uh, fuel. I mean, stars run on fuel like cars do, and they have certain size tanks. And once their tanks are empty, that's it. Okay. So again, the headline, and not to blame headline writers, because well, well done. You caused me to put my fork and knife down and you know start scrolling, <laughs> but. <laughs> this is what the end of the universe will look like. And you're saying, no, no, no. What they mean by end of the universe is it's just there's not going to be any more stars. But yeah, doesn't that mean things won't be rotating around these big stars in the same way and movement? Things will still be, as... I mean, over enough time, yeah, that won't happen anymore. I mean, okay. it's, yeah, over enough time. Yeah, so this article says roughly one trillion years from now, so you don't have to get too anxious. About and that's it. when I think, and I, I think that's when the last star will go out. That I mean, that's that's still on the near side of the death of the universe. I mean, that's when the last star will go out. Right. Well, they're we'll saying run out of fuel in one trillion years. The last star will be born. Born. And okay. Then so about a hundred trillion years later, the light from that star will go out. Right. And that will be the last star in the universe. Yep. That's interesting yep. to think about, you know, the last burning star. Where where will it be? Yeah. The final star. Uh, that is that is excellent. And now, again, this comes to you from the people who didn't know how fast galaxies are developing. So let's just, you know, let's not put too much. <laughs> see, not, see, that's what happens, too. That's what happens, exactly. too. They, oh, the scientists, see, they're changing their minds. They're just making this crap up. Yep. They're just making oh, they it up. That. 
you know, in 10 billion years, someone's going to say, I have an old textbook behind me that said that the universe was going to birth its last star in a trillion years. But, but I find all of this rather fascinating, actually, the, the ability to extrapolate, right? Like mm -hmm. some of it's really about science and it's about the thinking that can go into the data that people are bringing. But there's something in us as people and we do it in our world and it's important to take some data and then to extrapolate a future uh, yeah. uh, from it. Yeah. Um, th that is, is that a particular kind of science, Paul, or is that a particular kind of, of mm. astrophysics with the people who are, you know, what, what, I, what I guess I'm getting at is like you have climatologists and then you have like, uh, what are the weather forecasters called? They're meteorologists. They're, I mean, thank you. Which, you know, as a kid was a really, really confusing uh, term. I thought <laughs> they said they would be studying meteors. No. Of course, you, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, so uh, meteorologists, um, like they're doing something different than what other climate people are doing. Is there, is, does the, do these kinds of uh, stories point to the people doing a certain kind of work in cosmology? No, not that I know of. Um, there's no term for, in other words, I mean, there's cosmologists, but there's no like term that I know of that describes <laughs> cosmologists who talk about like the earliest times of the universe versus those who talk about the far future of the universe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's cosmologists. See, according to a cosmologist, it says, that's not, sure. cosmetolo not cosmetologist, by the way, <laughs> although they come right. from the same word. Not um, at all. Hey, it's interesting that cosmologists make people want to go to a cosmetologist. Like the world is so big, maybe I could just go have them work on my fingernails for yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess that's an anest, anest, not, not an anesthesiologist, but what's an anesthetist? Is that the anesthetist? Yes, yes. But well, but anyway, no, no. There's 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 no term I know for for that particular study. No. Because what's interesting to me about this is that in in many fields, especially fields that deal with ideas. You have sometimes they're they're designated with difference, but um, sometimes they're not named. People in whatever field you're in who think a lot about the past, yeah, or people who think a lot about the current situation, the present, and people who think a lot about the future, right? It, it's just true in so many fields of work. You know, you sort of have historians and you have pop the current conditions people and then you have people that are like and you know what's gonna happen yeah in, futurists in future. i mean there's a word for that futurists yeah futurists and uh, in fact i was listening to a ted talk uh, from a futurist and the futurist this person said okay i'm a futurist and the first thing you need to know about futurists is we don't predict the future <laughs> <laughs> they said what we do is we describe the current conditions and we say that set of conditions makes this more likely or that more likely but so it was it was an interesting like way well, that people play that's interesting because that's basically that is interesting because that's basically what's happening with this article here hmm. we're looking at the current set of conditions and what we know and saying well based on what we know this is one really possible. This is a this this is a we think is a likely scenario. That's yeah. basically what's happening here. And and I and I think that kind of is reminiscent uh, of how he, of how we are as people, individuals, and different kinds of people. You know, some are more past focused. I, I have yeah. friends and people in our family who, man, they can describe 
things that we did or things that happened with a level of clarity and hmm. memory that I can't do of my current situation. You know, like, I, I can't describe what's behind me right now if I'm not looking at my own image, right? Like I don't remember what's sitting on the shelf behind me, but they can describe where we were and what people ate and what someone said. Yeah. Like they remember the past in a way that's so precise. And some people can immediately get to the future, either with very positive feelings. Some people it's, you know, it's more anxiety filled, whatever. Yeah. Um, no matter what re response someone has to the past or the current situation or the future, it's, there's an orientation there. And I wonder yeah. if sometimes these articles, um, the people writing them recognize this, right? Like a lot of cosmology has been about the past. Sure. How did we get here? Big bang, where yeah. did it come from? Yeah. Origins. Yeah. We have and data for everyone, that, which is nice. And the previous story was like that, right? Like, Hey, turns out things are different than we thought. And then yeah. every once in a while, an article comes around that's like, well, here's what's going to happen in the future. And here's what this has to do with right now. And I just find that to be a helpful reminder that, that people approach the world really differently at that fundamental mm -hmm. level. Uh, you know, like wh what, what is the prime human experience? What, what direction are we looking in? Like yeah. back or yep. future yeah. or all around or whatever? Yeah, I know people hey, in my in, in my family also who are who are not just can they remember the past, but they almost they almost live there, um, mm -hmm. like they really just like their mind is just full of memories all the time, and that might may happen the older you get. I'm thinking about you know people who are you know octogenarians, you know who really are emotionally in touch with the past, not just mentally, but emotionally yeah. in touch, mm. in touch with the past. I, like that's a curious, now I'm thinking about, it's a curious little survey to take. I wonder if people in the, in the chat will tell us if they think of themselves as um, leaning one direction or the other. Like I yeah. clearly am a, in a present and future oriented person. I, I yeah. think, you know, history is super interesting to me. I love it as it relates to what's happening right now. Like I make these parallels to, right. to now, now right. like immediately. Yeah. The value of thinking about the past is what does that have to do with right, right here and right now? Um, yeah. And other people, you know, are like, no, don't, don't try to do that. Don't look at the past through the lens of the current. You know, this kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I find well, that well, you know, it, it is kind of fascinating to look at this article and look at the far future. I mean, it does force you to ask questions. I mean, you know, yeah, it's remote. It's, you know, a trillion years. What even is a trillion? Oh, my God, you know, I can't even get my head around a thousand, you know. Um, um, but still, just, just the, the principle of it, the fact of it, that yep. no matter how we slice it, you know, I think it, maybe the universe won't pan out just like the way it, this article says. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be much happy. You know, it's not like there's a happy ending here um, mm. as far as the universe. I mean, it's really kind of going one way. <laughs> and it's getting colder, basically, you know, okay. and getting more yeah. darker. You know what I'm saying? Is that, that's, that's just what's happening. And so it makes you pause and think, well, hey, what's, what is this about? It really does. Is that in the category of, look, we have a high level of confidence that there's not going to be a textbook in the future that says something different about that? Like this yeah. expanding universe, uh, that, that, is, that is in the category of super settled or well, is in the what, category of what I feel what I feel is when you say super settled it means you know like 99 95 99.5% confidence level super settled is that it's not going to be hospitable to life life is you know 
at least on this planet and, and on other planets too, eventually these stars will, as a matter of fact, run out of fuel. This is, mm. there's no alternate, you know, source of energy. It's like once the, they do have finite reserves. Got it. And those reserves will exhaust themselves yep. eventually. It will happen. It's like driving your car down the interstate. It might not happen today, but or the, or the next 30 minutes, but your car will run out of gas. Yeah. yeah. And Paul, where are people at? Like, where is the astrophysicist community at on like the big crunch idea versus expanding forever? Is there any. Well, like, do people yeah, still the, think that, hey, it's going to expand, the stars will run out of fuel, but then everything is going to crunch back, kind of the opposite of the Big Bang, and that's going to create. Yeah, this, the this, next this article Big Bang. really. This article really does represent the majority view, which is that uh, the it was discovered about 24 years ago that the accelerate the universe is expanding and going faster every day. It's expanding a little faster today than it was yesterday and the day before. Which it's accelerating. Is sort of terrifying. In a way. Yeah, <laughs> and before 24 years ago, there was a real debate on whether there was enough mass in the universe to reverse the expansion and end in a big crunch where things would get hotter and hotter and hotter. Mm -hmm. um, but it looks like there's no return to, you know, that hot, dense state, that it is actually going to end up getting colder and darker. That is the majority view. As re and, and, and this article is not radical. I mean, it's, it's what most... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most cosmologists, most physicists would say, yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe some details are different, but the overall arc, the overall direction is is accurate. Yeah. I was trying to find this video of Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about uh, what keeps him up at night. I think it was Stephen Colbert was interviewing him. And he talked about this idea that, you know, as the universe expands, uh, eventually, you know, billions and billions of years from now, our galaxy will be so far from other galaxies that the other galaxies will move beyond our horizon. We won't be able to see yeah. them in any yeah. sort of way. And he said yeah. what keeps him up at night is what is already beyond our horizon ah, right. that we can't see. And so the things that we don't know that we don't know are what keep him up at night. Like, yeah. We yeah. can't look Certainly. back far enough to to understand the universe truly. So we, we don't know what's out yeah. there. Yeah. Most, I think most astronomers, most scientists would say that there's far more beyond our horizon than there is within our horizon. Wow. Boy, that's a worry spiral that you just, you never get out of. <laughs> I mean, what you, <laughs> there's more out there than we know and we don't know what we don't know. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like this picture I've drawn for you before of being out on the ocean out in the Pacific in a boat in a like in a rowboat, calm calm ocean. You stand up, you can see about three miles in every direction, and there's a lot more beyond that you can't see. Mm -hmm. Right? There's this there's this in principle geometric limit to what you can see, and beyond that, yeah, there's more, but it's beyond what you can see. It's kind of like right. that. Mm. Well, yeah, that's, that's that's trippy to think about. Hey, what, one of the things that I I used to believe until um, yesterday was that <laughs> the, the the Earth had a moon and just one. There was one. Oh, moon. yeah, 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 right. And then I see this article that says, no, there's a second moon. <laughs> yeah. I, I, for now. Just, for now. Yeah. Well, and the good point. Yeah. Yeah. There didn't used to be. Now there is a second moon and there won't be later. So, how many moons are there? 
apnea? When is it? it That's it the depends. answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> when are we? Uh, yeah. All right. So, so this idea, Paul, tell us about this. How is it that there's a quasi satellite known as uh, Kamo Iloiwa? Um, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, there's another name for it. It's like what 2018 MO3 or something like that, yes. and uh, that's the one I can pronounce. I can't pronounce this one. Yeah, um, it's a, it's it was discovered word. by folks in Hawaii, yeah. so it was given this Hawaiian Hawaiian name that I'm, nice. I'm unable to pronounce. Uh, at least cool I'm not going to try name. it. Yeah, I'm not going to try it right now. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of other junk out there besides the moon and. Um, I think in this case, that some people suspect that it's actually part, it's a part of the moon um, that was, if you look at the moon, you can see plenty of evidence for past uh, collisions, past, you know, uh, Yeah, it's impacts. been beat up a bit. It's been beat up. And so has the earth, by the way, no less than the moon, but the earth has erosion and rain and wind mm -hmm. and oh. plate, te plate tectonics to get rid of the evidence. So huh. um, the, earth, the earth has been soften beat up. the evidence, yeah. Soften the evidence, yeah. But then you can still see some evidence, like the big, you were saying you were out in Arizona last week. There's a nice big crater out there, still pretty well preserved, um, about a mile across. Really? Um, Where is that? Oh, yeah. I've seen it from planes when I fly from Atlanta to L.A. It goes right over it. Um, it's called, believe it or not, you know, you know what they call this thing? Meteor well, crater. <laughs> they call it Meteor Crater. That's actually the name of it. Hey, what should we uh, call this? Let's it. get a committee together. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, Bar I, actually, I think it's called Behringer. That's named after the the white guy who first found it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, right. But anyway, it's about a mile across, and it's very well preserved. And uh, and you can, from the air, it's a beautiful thing to see. But uh, so anyway, there's... Plenty of evidence that there's been collisions. It's probably about fifty thousand years old. But, but so this moon, thing's floating around, and is it in orbit around Earth? Is it? Yes, it's orbiting the Earth. Yes. So that's the thing. The difference, the reason they're willing to call this a second moon, is that it behaves in its orbital pattern like a moon does, as opposed to other just rocks floating around in. Right. It orbits the Earth. That's why it's called a moon. And it says in the article that. It came about like what five hundred years ago or eight hundred years ago, yeah. um, and will some point leave the Earth's orbit. So right. that's it's, just super intriguing to me. Like, what's yeah. what caused it to get into the orbit, and then what lets it go? How does it get out? Is it just inching its way out? Every, yes, it's inching its way out, and eventually, like slingshot out into right, right. Its uh, orbit is not is not stable over long time periods. That's huh. that's a language that we nerds use. Okay, nerd alert. Yeah, why why <laughs> does the why does the real moon not why does the real moon not slingshot out? The size? Well, it is creeping out. Did you know that? Oh dear lord. No, I uh, didn't know that. See, this is just <laughs> There we go again. <laughs> I mean, what else are you people hiding? You, cos <laughs> you, you, you will appreciate this. Uh, my students appreciate it when I tell them that it's creeping away from the earth at about the same rate that your fingernails grow. <gasps> Back to this fingernail thing. Okay. Yeah. So a, a, a couple centimeters per year gets well, further from the earth. Paul, we've been talking for eight years uh, about things in the moon and I, I just gotta say, I don't think this ever came up. That that we're slowly that even the losing our grasp getting... <laughs> on the moon. 
<laughs> yeah, we are. And, uh, and, and it also happens to be about the same rate that plate tectonics, that the continents drift. Maybe that the fingernail thing came up in that context. Okay. Because the, the, the continental plates uh, drift at about the same, on the average, at about the same rate, a couple, couple centimeters per year. Well, I should say, maybe you've expressed this before and I just buried it away like I do all bad news that I don't want to believe. So that's <laughs> absolutely all the, possible. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so... so it's, it's spiraling out slowly. What do we know about this little second moon? Like, uh, are we going to land somebody there? Is it big enough for that? Can no, it's way... No, it's, 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 it's... I can't remember how large it is, but it's essentially just a large rock. It's not anything like the size of the moon it's just a small fragment but small yeah, but like in space is it like the size of a city is it size of a truck? see that's what i that's what i can't remember and i wish i had the the information here with me i don't know how large it is but i'm guessing it's the my guess here's my guess it's the size of uh i was gonna say a house okay oh Oh, I don't I know that. Say, is it the size okay. of four baby elephants? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, what? things hitting Earth and uh, good headlines. Talk about <laughs> a headline, a genius, genius headline here. Yeah, this is the headline. Uh, a corgi-sized meteor, so a small dog, as heavy as four baby elephants hit Texas. <laughs> what it's a headline. Four. And, and uh, like... Four baby elephants, does that weigh as much as one normal elephant? Or is it or is that just, you know, still a small fraction of a normal elephant? Yeah. Such a like I would love to see the alternative headlines they were working on, you know, like uh German shepherd sized meteor yeah. is the weight of an elephant. Someone's like, No, 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 let's yeah. let's get no, 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 let's no, no, no. What, scale that down. Let's think. <laughs> what could we make? Yeah, oh, and what are the yeah? What are the headlines that didn't make it? That's what we'd like to see. Right. Headlines that, that didn't make it. But so this is okay. kind of fun, though. This uh, this yeah, very heavy totally but fun. small rock hit hit Texas, and uh, yeah, I'm surprised that that it that a uh, cor I mean a corgi. I mean that's the size of my monitor, right? I mean, how big is a corgi? I literally don't yeah. measure things in dogs. I don't know how big dogs <laughs> or are. Elephants. Or elephants. Or <laughs> elephants. It's like, a, is there some measurement that's a horse? Something to do with a horse? Like, I don't horse have power? any idea. Yeah, there we go. Horsepower. I don't have any idea how big a corgi is. What? I mean, it, to me, to me a, corgi is, is, a, a corgi is a small squat dog, right? Yeah, like it's bigger like the than one a the chihuahua, queen, right? Like the one the queen has. The queen has corgis. Or had, pardon me, had corgis, right? That was her, the hurry. She had pet corgis. Yeah. And so I mean, this is the size of my monitor, corgi. Okay. I don't so, know. A small little heavy thing comes whipping really into McAllen, for, Texas. Yeah. We yeah. we did a bike ride across the United States of America along the U.S. border and the coast, and we rode from San Diego down to McAllen, Texas as a part of our ride. Right right along there. We stopped right in, in Mission, where, where it notes here. There were a lot of things I worried about on that ride. Cars the weather, uh, the, the plight yeah. of migrants trying to get into the country are a lot of worries. Being struck by a corgi-sized <laughs> meteor was really not one of them. Now, I feel like we, we, do we dodged a four baby elephant-sized, uh, you know, weighted Bullet. meteor. Yeah, bullets. Well, uh, did you ever see that video from, I guess it was like 15 or 20 years ago, the, of this uh, meteor that uh, 
struck Earth close to a large city in Russia, in Siberia. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's a wild video. That was awesome. I mean, people got hurt. Nobody died, thank God. But some people Blue got windows seriously out stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Incredible. I love this, and uh, was, this comment from uh, our Barry Young. He said, uh, you know, he's quoting about as fast as fingernails grow, <laughs> as heavy as four baby elephants, proving once again that Americans will do anything to avoid using the metric system. <laughs> oh, so Barry, man. that is fantastic. That's a comment. The last, uh, last pocket of resistance. Yeah. <laughs> do anything to, to avoid the metric system. I'm going to giggle about that all day, I bet. It's just going <laughs> to be in an important meeting and start chuckling. Uh, uh, the, the, and this is this is happening often, isn't it? Um, it happens all the time, but very rare. Relatively little of the Earth is actually covered with, with with like dense populations of people. Oh no, 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 Paul! I heard that you couldn't shoot down a uh, spy balloon without it probably landing, landing on, on someone. someone's house. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, the country's full. It's just totally full, <laughs> impossible. You shoot that thing down over Montana, it's going to land on a house. It's going <laughs> to land on a house. Ridiculous. On, on yeah. an actual house, yes. To people yeah, who so know the, 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 the scale of the earth, most or the, plant, the country, most of it is, as you say, void of people. It's not void empty. Of there's lots of living, right. living creatures there, That's but it's right. void That's of right. people. Like everywhere, country is void of people except a few places, a few little. But spots. when a corgi-sized meteor falls anywhere near a town, you're going to hear it because it uh, <laughs> makes <Yeah>. quite a <laughs> the sonic boom is very impressive, and that's what people are hearing, and that's what knocked out windows in Russia was the sonic, so-called sonic boom. These things are moving far faster than sound. Wow! So you can get this nice. And this is one Blast. that they didn't see coming. This wasn't big enough to be paying attention to. Right. This didn't get right. named after someone or catch the imagination right. of school children. Right. Just, this is just... That's, that's any, right. Any cults started over this one? Or? <laughs> Probably, almost certainly. Almost certainly. Yes, out there in oh, Texas. There's, the there's, mission there's, cult there's, that just formed over the messages being sent from the... Uh, so do you think... And Does the article say, because I only saw the headline here uh, for this conversation... Is the meteor still intact? Like, do they do they do they have it? Is there a corgi-sized meteor in their hands? No. I need to read these articles more closely too, because I don't know. I think <laughs> I don't know what they're basing this on, other than other than the, uh, I mean, the sound. I mean, I, I imagine they actually must have found an impact at some point to have some idea. Yeah. Of of its size. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. There must have been some. What, what, what happens to what happens to these very hard meteors that are made of you know space metal that come <laughs> space in metal and 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 hit into the earth they just they explode and there's little yeah pieces of a lot of times they, they tend they tend to heat up and break up in the atmosphere that's one thing that happens they yeah. so when they when they enter the atmosphere they're one size but then they typically break up into smaller fragments just because of the friction heats them up and shatters them basically as, as they, as they move down towards the surface. By the time they hit the surface, there's probably several fragments, but what they, but to those fragments, they explode well, when they hit the, hit the earth's surface. Uh, no, a lot, a lot of times they actually remain intact. They, uh, you know, there was one that hit here in Claxton, Georgia, you know, decades ago and it destroyed a mailbox. Huh? That's a federal yeah, crime. And <laughs> and that's true. And who's they going to pin that one on? 
Um, uh, and then there was one. That, then there was one that hit in Alabama that that uh, destroyed a woman's car. It, it destroyed her rear bumper. Went right through her rear bumper, and yeah, uh, and she sold I mean, the car you, to a, to a museum and made a lot of money on it. I was gonna say, how do you report that to your insurance company? Like, hey, uh, yeah, Allstate, I had a I had an accident today. I got hit by a meteor. Definitely <laughs> an act of God. Definitely an act of God. <laughs> Isn't that what uh, they call it? Actually, isn't that what they call it in in like official language and in insurance world? They call that an act of God. Isn't that right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's actually a term that's used for yeah. like stuff like that that just nobody saw coming, that nobody could have possibly you know. Do the atheists then say like, no, 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 you're paying this claim. I'm not. I I'm not going down some old. Yeah, you know, they probably have an asterisk that said you know some old God says, route know, here. Yeah. Oh, says, Dan, I, you I, found I, it. Yeah, so they did find, well, they think they found a piece of the meteorite that entered the atmosphere over Texas, uh, according they, to the American Meteor Society. Uh, so, I mean, they... The Amer the AMS. Okay, hang so on they, a minute. There's an American Meteor Society? Let's get one of those people on here and talk meteors for an hour. Yeah, on yeah we should do that. Totally. We should do I that. I mean, can you imagine how, they, how they're I describing wish meteors if they're describing them with dog and elephant uh, <laughs> yeah. standards? What Is else are they, they doing over them? there? I wish they had some way to tell the scale of that thing. I mean, there needs to be a, a ruler or a Swiss Army knife or something in there to right. help it's us kind know. Of a, kind of a rock is. there. So I think it looks like a standard standard rock. And standard rock. A rock size. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Standard <laughs> rock. It's rock size. You know, the, the, the size of a Shih Tzu. Um, so NASA <laughs> thinks, NASA thinks the original uh, meteor was about two feet wide and broke into pieces. Okay. This is one yeah. of the pieces. I mean, yeah. just dumb luck for that thing to not land in the middle of a parade, right? Like it just could or land a mailbox. Anywhere. You know, that could have turned into a mailbox. Yeah, mailbox. Too bad. Yeah. Can you imagine you're walking up to your mailbox and you're about a foot away, and your hand starts to reach toward the toward the mailbox, and it explodes <laughs> with a meteor hitting. <laughs> That would just—that's uh, better than struck by lightning. Which I would—I would actually love to have. I would love to have have that happen to me. I would be amazing. absolutely love it. <laughs> it's like just my luck. My mailbox yeah, was I, struck. There was a that there, there was a check in there that I really needed to cash, and it got hit by a hit by a meteor. But then you can sell your mailbox and and make four times the amount on that check. Sell sell it to a museum. There you go. It, is that they, right? Like that's yeah. that's worth something. Let's start. This that woman fraud. sold her. This, this woman sold her car that she was that she had huh. that had the back bumper destroyed by a meteorite, and uh, she sold it to a museum and probably made five times what the car was worth. Huh. And this is like wow. how superhero stories start. You know? That's like right. Your car gets hit by a meteor, wow. then you got superpowers. So yeah, oh. just like that. Yes. Get bitten Some, bitten by a radioactive spider, or whatever. Some kid in Mission, Texas, right now is like, no, I've got, we got serious space I saw power. A, I saw some footage from it, and it was basically this guy's security camera out in his yard, and there were some chickens and stuff, you know, eating around the yard, and all of a sudden there's this big boom, and the chickens flew away. That was it. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if you're interested in Mission, Texas, by the way, you can go on to our Vote Common Good uh, YouTube channel, and we have a little story about Mission, Texas, when we were there on the ride, and some people we met where they built this little stupid half wall. Uh, and there's a bar right inside the wall, and uh, some uh, a bar inside kind, the wall. Yeah, inside just the on, the, wall, on, the, yeah. on the inside of the the U.S. side of the wall, right, right there, because it's always been right at right near the border. 
Um, and then they started building this wall. And we have the story from a, a, a bunch of Trump supporters in that bar in the middle of the day where that's what people do in the middle of the day in Mission, Texas. Kind of the snowbirds. Nothing else to do. And you'll be very interested to know that they th people we interviewed, and you'll see one longer interview with the guy, think that wall is utterly ridiculous and it's not dangerous to live on the border. And he's from Minnesota and moved down there on purpose. And it's like, people should come here. It's great. There are not hordes of people and you're not in danger. <laughs> come to Mission, Texas. So Mission, yeah. Texas is a place dear uh, to our hearts. And I didn't know they were being attacked by the universe. So Wow. So um, that, that really is quite the town. It's quite the, t it's, it's yeah. really not quite the town. There's a meteor and there's a bar. And there's um, no hordes, there's, no hordes. <laughs> Good point. What there's not is hordes. Yeah, there's not <laughs> waves and waves of, uh, of, of people. There's, there's great people uh, who live on both sides of the, of the border uh, down there. They, should, right, they uh, should open a bar on the other side too and have two back-to-back -back uh, bars. That'd be fun. And then with yeah. a window, with a window where you could, or, or, you know, or even have an open door where you can just talk to people across the border. That'd be awesome. Right, you, could, you could order a Tecate light in the one place, and you could order a Bud Light in the other, and you could move them back right. and forth between the American beers. Have a toast, you know, across the border. Sounds great. Or let's just, you know, stop being silly about building walls. All right, uh, uh, Paul, anything else we need to talk about in... Uh, Gosh, in I don't think so. Cosmology, um, cosmetology world, anything no, I, about this? I think that whole end of the universe thing, I think once you get done with that, there's not a whole lot to say. <laughs> Why um, talk about anything? Meaningless, meaningless. <laughs> We're done the here. End all of the universe as we know. All is vanity. All is vanity. Yeah. No, very. It's it's very Ecclesiastes. It's very very Ecclesiastes. This this the story here. Life is but yeah. a breath. Yeah. Yeah. A vapor. By the way, I I, I listened to some other uh, podcasts in addition to this one, which of course I re-listened to a couple times during the week, um, just to enjoy it. And hope you all will do the same and share it with your friends. But I listened to some other ones, and I, I heard one yesterday that's called Hidden Brain. I don't know if you know this this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's put out by uh, Public Radio, National Public Radio as well. But they have a really great one on how people shape and form their their beliefs. Hmm. And uh, and and anyway, it's 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 sort of about this. So if you're not into Hidden Brain, um, you know, like that Austin Powers joke. If you're going to listen to any podcasts this year, listen to Hidden Brain. If you're going to listen to two, make it the Common Good podcast. Is the other one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that 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 Hidden Brain one is really great about people's views of how positively they feel about the future. And hmm. if you if people are pessimistic about the future or think the world is a dangerous place, they've, they're doing these big studies on huh. types of people and then connecting it to different belief systems. And can someone change a belief system about the state of the world and about the future? That and seems relevant. Super, super interesting. Mm. Um, and the book of Ecclesiastes is one of the references that's sort of in the like, look, the world is a, you know, this kind of phrase that people use, you know, the world is a shit sandwich and you just got your first bite, that kind of thing, you know, and it's all meaningless <laughs> and you got to fight hard. You got to fight hard to make it in the world and it's out to yeah. get you and, you know, cover yeah. yourself versus people are like the world is beautiful and wonderful and there's a friend around every corner and people waiting for, you know, like all these stories are in all the traditions, all the mm -hmm. religions, all the cultures and people pick and choose or no, people f uh, find themselves in a, one of the perspectives right, right, and the, right. the thing, this is about, can someone change that root story, that mm -hmm. core story that they fundamentally believe? That, that is fascinating. It's, it's a, it's a tremendous one with a psychologist. That's and this was a, this was a particular story. episode of this or it this is, was, yeah, yeah. 
right. Yeah, Hidden Brain is the is the the radio show podcast, um, yeah. and this most recent one is um, where do our beliefs uh, about things come from, and can we control? I'll look them? it up. Can we? I'll can look we, it up. Can we deal with them? Yeah, you'll find it quite. Um, Shankar Vidantham is the host of it, and it's really great. It's just I'm about to terrible. drive across Atlanta and back, so I'll I'll uh, put it in. 53 nice. minutes. It's a 53-minute episode. That's about Perfect. exactly what I need. Yep. <laughs> right on the button. Right on the button. All right, friends. Uh, thanks. Um, boy, it a, was a fun. Nice, live, nice, lively chat today. Yep. Um, it's good to see some of the regulars, Jim and Alex, and uh, good to see William uh, on here and uh, R. Barry. So thanks. Thanks all for being a, being a part of this. Share the, share the podcast and vote common good. We're on the March on Christian Nationalism. Lots of material coming out about that. You're going to keep hearing it over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be running a convening, uh, helping to sponsor a convening in Oxford, England in two weeks. So awesome. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get very, we had, a, we had an online meeting last night about the meeting. It tells you anything. We had a meeting about the meeting. <laughs> could it have been an email? Maybe it could have been an could email, <laughs> but it was, it was a two hour meeting uh, about this um, and including dress code and, uh, oh, and all the rest. And, I'm out. Yes. Well, I mean, it begs the question, doesn't it? Do we have to wear an Oxford, uh, or uh, can we can, right. we can we choose use other shirts? And I, I realized it, in all the prep for this, especially in this meeting, when I was a kid growing up, I didn't. When I thought about England, I didn't think about the Queen and Oxford and Cambridge and fancy things. I thought about Benny Hill and Monty Python. <laughs> and silly walks and nonsense. Beatles, Beatles, the Beatles. Yeah, I'm like, oh, let's go. To, let's go to England. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> no, 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 we're going to Oxford. Let's get our thing. You know, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, I've been to England before, but it was funny to hear this. I had this root story about England that it's silly, you know, and <laughs> right. Well, and creative. Yeah. And I mean, Monty Python was certainly one of my earliest, earliest uh, exposures to to British anything. Yeah. I think it's why I think it may be this way too. When I meet someone from England, I think, oh, I bet they're hilarious. Like right <laughs> out of the, right, right out of the shoots, right? Like that is, I bet that person's our scream. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, we're going to be going to England to talk about very important things with people from around the world, like the threat of Christian nationalism around the world. So I don't think it's going to be quite as, quite as. Uh, going to be a hoot. <laughs> going to be Benny Hill funny. Um, <laughs> All right, so a lot coming from us over the next couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for being a part of all of this. Thanks for being on the podcast. If you want to listen to two podcasts, uh, listen to our Confronting Christian Nationalism, Paul. We've put out a podcast. Um, it's 30-minute segments, multiple episodes on our training of Confronting Christian Nationalism. So if anybody cool. in your world wants to know more about it, wants to know how they can respond to it, understand it, and deal with it, we have a podcast. Episode two coming out tomorrow. Well, yep. Tomorrow. In hours now, midnight, uh, midnight Eastern time. Well, if you want to stay up till twelve oh one, then you can get it first. You know, here it comes, mm -hmm. TikTok. <laughs> twelve oh one Eastern time. You can just download it and let it let the subtle drones of Christian nationalism put you to sleep tonight. It'll drive out that fear that the universe is going to stop. Yeah, right, right. Or what's beyond the horizon that we don't know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's probably meteors. Uh, okay, is that good? Yep. That's We're good. Done? We're done. Okay. Thanks, everybody.